our arms up and we're immediately like, la. It was secretly just to air out my armpits because I'm sweating. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Got to spill out all of our positive energy through our armpits, you know? (laughs) That's where it comes from. That's what I hear. (laughs) Don't you know your spirit escapes you through your pits? (laughs) Word on the street. It's how you emit your energy. Yeah. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? people if that was actually a thing ew oh why did i think of this i literally just pictured two people going up and like transferring their energy to each other by sticking their sweaty dewy armpits onto each other it's like instead of the um blood what's the one where you cut each other, your hands and then blood brothers is that yeah what blood called? brothers we're energy armpit sweaters we're energy armpitters <laughs> this is two girls one ghost two girls one ghost And we are your ghostesses, that's Corinne. Hello. And I'm Sabrina, and this is an Encounters episode where we read your stories, you email them to us, and we get freaked out, we love them, and then we read them back to you. Oh yeah, not have, I got some stories for you, but do you want to go first? (laughs) (laughs) I thought, the way you said that, I thought you were saying that you have personal stories. Oh no, (laughs) I don't. I don't. I want some. I know that that's bad to say, but I feel like my life was popping in the spiritual realm for a little bit, and now suddenly it's pretty quiet. That's not a bad thing. I wouldn't complain. You know what I really want is a spiritual awakening. Open your armpit to the universe. (laughs) Hello, world. I'm the crazy neighbor that just exposes her pits out the window every morning. Oh, gosh. Spiritual awakening. Well, maybe we'll have one in this episode. I feel like things happen. You never know. We're putting it out into the universe. All right, but I do have a story very, very excited about because back when we did an episode on haunted dolls, we mentioned this Etsy page called Eonian Spirits. And do you remember they sell haunted dolls? Oh, yeah, I remember. So I was going through our emails a while back and I saw an email from Alyssa saying kind spirit doll Eonian Spirits. And I was like, tell me more. So I read her e- her first part of her email, and I'll read that to you right now. And I had a follow-up, and she just responded. So I was like, this is perfect timing. We're going to read it. Okay. Okay. So Alyssa says, all right, I'm going to cut right to the chase. After hearing you ladies talk about the Etsy page, Eonian Spirits, I had to learn more. I logged into my Etsy account, found their page, and looked through everything. I did tons of research and read their shop info page multiple times. But unfortunately, they had closed their page due to one of the shop owners struggling with health issues. I followed the shop on Facebook and impatiently waited for any updates. Finally, they reopened. I didn't exactly know why I was so anxious. I didn't intend on buying a doll, but I was just intrigued. I read and reread through their shop, and then I saw her. A beautiful doll with the most lovely personality description. I wanted her. Still, I never messaged the shop owners. I wasn't scared, but I was definitely unsure if this was something I wanted to do. Purchasing one of these haunted dolls was quite a process. It required a lengthy question and answer interview to make sure the spirit would be happy in your home. And I kept asking myself, do I really want a spirit in my home? I was skeptical. Was this doll really haunted? And if she is, are they sure she's a kind spirit? I have a six-year-old daughter, and even though she likes spooky things like myself, I didn't want to expose her to something dangerous or scary. I talked to my husband, and to my surprise, he didn't think I was completely crazy, but... He said he didn't think it was a good idea to bring a spirit into our home with our daughter being so young. And we also have a dog that we're obsessed with. And since animals can sense and see things, we didn't know how he would react. My husband had a good point, but I was still so drawn to her. I felt a connection already. 
but I still didn't message the owners, even though I wanted to so badly. I sent the web link to my dad, and he felt the same way I did, and he told me I had to get her. So I spent the last two weeks talking back and forth to one of the owners of Eonian Spirits, and she said the particular doll I was interested in was very popular and already had a number of people going through the adoption process. I was a bit upset, but I continued to answer all of the questions as best I could. Finally, I got the email stating that she is 100% available for a new home now as the previous adopter backed out. I reserved her immediately as Michelle, one of the owners, said my home sounded perfect for her. I bought her Monday, October 8th, 2018, and I am now waiting for her arrival. She'll be here right on time for Halloween, and although I'm excited, I'm a little nervous too. Thankfully, if she does not work out in my home, the shop will gladly take her back. Thank you for the amazing podcast. I'll let you know about my soon-to-be new spirit doll. And that's how she ended that email. So I responded, and I was like, we need to know, how has it been? Mm -hmm. So she just responded, and she says, Oh my gosh, I am totally fangirling over here. Kai, Kyneth, the doll, has been amazing. I'll start at the beginning. In preparation for her arrival, I went to a metaphysical store, bought some of her favorite crystals to gift her, I saged, and I also wrote a list of rules that she would have to follow in our home if she wanted to be part of our family. Some of those rules included do not drain batteries or electronics for energy, do not turn on or off electronics, you have free range of the entire home and land outside except for our bedrooms at night. Give the dog some space, let him warm up to you. Do not startle my daughter, whose name is Izzy, who is now eight. And now that I'm looking for the handwritten list that I had placed by her, it seems to have disappeared. So once she arrived, I took her out of her box and immediately felt this warm feeling. She smelled amazing. And every so often to this day, I will randomly catch her smell. I gave her our list of rules, gifted her the crystals, and welcomed her into our home. I always had this feeling that she was a little girl, so I'm assuming, like my daughter, she had a hard time following some rules. The TV would turn on and off, light bulbs started burning out constantly, my very calm, mute dog started growling at seemingly nothing. I was very on edge about her at first, but I let it go and kept hoping that she would adjust. Then, I came home from work one day and found that my dog had pooped all over the bedroom that we keep her in when we're at work. This was not a normal accident. Not only is my dog very well house-trained and rarely has accidents even when he was a puppy, this accident was trampled on, tracked through the entire bedroom. I could tell by his footprints that he had been backed into the corner. I was angry, and as I cleaned up his mess, I scolded the doll and told her if she didn't follow the rules, she couldn't stay in our home. From that point on, I kept her bedroom door shut while we were away, and contacted the seller immediately. We talked a lot, and she suggested that I sage again in case I brought home different spirits. She ensured me that Kyneth was very kind, and that seemed very out of character to have been her doing. Things have calmed down since the scolding, and I was happy about that. It took me quite a while to warm back up to her and accept her presence again, but I started to think about her more and how lonely and sad she probably was, and I realized I would never punish my daughter that way, so I shouldn't have punished my adopted ghosty daughter that way either. I started talking to her more and more, even though I couldn't physically hear her. One day, I felt her presence so strongly and consistently. I would be getting ready for work in the morning, and I would feel a warm touch on my arm. I could literally hear what sounded like another person just going about their day in the other room, even though I was the only one awake. The dog was no longer afraid or on edge either, and one night after I put my daughter to bed, I finally laid down to go to sleep, and I heard my daughter cry out, Mom! I asked my husband if he heard Izzy calling me, and he said no. Izzy's asleep. 
So I went to go check on Izzy and he was right. She was asleep. A couple days later, I was home alone and walking down the hallway. I heard what I thought was my daughter say no. The only ever sighting of Kai was by my daughter. One morning, Izzy was getting ready for school, getting dressed in her room, and I was making her lunch in the kitchen, and she yelled, Hey, Mom, why are you peeking at me? I said, I'm not. I'm in the kitchen. And she replied, Oh, I thought I just saw you. That one freaked me out a bit. There are so many things I'm probably leaving out, but we've had no other issues since the first couple of months of her arrival, and I was lucky enough to start working from home permanently in March of this year due to COVID-19, so I get to spend every day with her now. I was also gifted dousing rods for my birthday in May from my sister, who is also a spooky biatch. And recently, I finally worked up the courage to tell my eight-year-old we had a ghost friend that was attached to the doll, and she surprisingly took the news very well. Fellow witch in the making. No nightmares, no freakouts, lots of questions, but nothing too wild. Kai enjoys using the dousing rods to communicate with us and is very quick to respond. She has answered all of our questions except her age. And my husband immediately thought demon, but it actually correlates with the information passed on to me from the medium who sold her to us. She told me that Kai wouldn't share her age with her and told me that I might have better luck, but obviously not. I still believe she's a child spirit and she enjoys living with us and we enjoy having her. Every day when my daughter gets home, she greets Kai with a big warm, hello Kai, we're home. One thing that helped me get over my fear of inviting a ghost into our house was that I was adopting a lost soul that had nowhere else to call home. I gave her a safe space, and I don't regret it at all. Pet tax and Kai tax attached. I love listening to you both so much. Thank you for the amazing podcast. See you on the other side, Alyssa. Wow, I love this. This is a wonderful example of treating spirits with such respect and really going through that whole vetting process of, is this the right home for both this spirit and for us to house the spirit, you know? Yeah. Like, it felt like they were actually adopting something, which they did. And Alyssa went through kind of that process where she was like, I'm not sure how I feel about bringing a spirit into the home. And then when Kai was in the home, kind of punishing her in a way that she wouldn't her own child and then realizing, no, I need to love her and give her a safe space to live and make her feel welcome. Now she's like her ghost child, which is so sweet. I know. It's it's so nice. And it makes my heart break just a little bit thinking about the warm presence and the good smells and and everything pointing to her being a kind spirit and probably being so happy in this home, especially with another young kid. And then having that moment where something else entered the home and basically pinned, it's like having a real sibling, like another spirit essentially like did the bad and then pinned it on her. And for her to be reprimanded and kind of put away in the room, I'm sure it felt like a like a bad timeout. But it makes me curious. I wonder, having saged the house, having done all of this work to essentially cleanse the space and bring her in and give her a good home Mm -hmm. and also protect the family and the dog and the actual human living daughter. (laughs) I'm curious where in the process it might have encouraged other spirits to come in and a spirit that would be negative because it sounds like whatever was in there, especially if the poor little baby dog was pooping himself into a corner. Yeah. It was not good. Well, my two theories with that are the first being that possibly when Kai came from Eonian spirits, like another spirit came with her, whether it's from another doll or just in the transit process came with Kai. Or alternatively, I think as a child spirit moving around a lot could 
evoke a lot of negative feelings and emotions. Mm -hmm. And while she is a good spirit, I mean, when you're a kid, you do bad things sometimes, you know, and especially if you're feeling uncomfortable and fearful and maybe Kai was sad to have left her where she was before and didn't know what was like her future in Alyssa's home. And until she was comfortable and understood that Alyssa and her family were going to embrace her and keep her forever, she was acting out. Right. Yeah, that's possible. I'm happy to hear that everything is has turned a corner and yeah. it seems positive. And I'm, you know what else I really love? I love that the shop that Ionian Spirits continues that line of communication mm-hmm. and is really that resource for someone who is adopting these dolls and these spirits into their home. That it's not just the sales over and it's done, but these people both care about the well-being of the people who take on these spirits as well as the spirits that they are placing in homes. It's a, like a real operation. I know. We'll post a picture of Kai as well on Instagram. Oh, let me look. I didn't even know that there was. Oh, oh, wow. What a luxurious gown. I know. Isn't she pretty? So pretty. Now I'm tempted to shop for a haunted doll. (laughs) I won't though, because I'm a chicken. I'd back out. I just pulled up Ioni and Spirit's Etsy page because I just, you know, I'm so curious. And I'm looking at all of these reviews and all the dolls And everyone seems so happy with their purchases. Wow. That says so much to the seller as well, Mm -hmm. to be able to have enough of a read on the energy and spirits and to confidently make that contact and understand who is inhabiting the doll or who comes along with the doll to make the proper placements. That's wonderful because I'm sure they probably have come across a few spirits that were not so kind that they didn't want to necessarily send off to a home with kids or what have you. Wow. I want to hear their stories. The haunted doll collectors. Well, I think the reason we heard about them is they emailed us. So we should ask them more. Yeah, we should. Definitely. Okay. I have an email. This is from our listener, Sadie. It's called aliens or... Hey, ladies, I sent you an email not long ago. New time listener here, but rapidly flying through all of them. (laughs) And I keep remembering encounters to email you. I've been listening to your podcast lately with my nine-year-old twin boys, and they hysterically giggle when they hear boob or anything remotely body-related. Oh my god, that makes me so happy. So they're going to definitely laugh during this episode. Yeah, this is a good one. (laughs) They love anything creepy and scary, just like me. And I've been counting down the days to when they can watch scary R-rated movies with me. (laughs) Aww. On to my definitely odd and possibly alien experience. I'm 30 now, and this happened when I was 17. I live in a tiny town in Kansas, as in no stoplights, one gas station, and a tiny restaurant. And the town is legitimately one mile long. So in high school, you either babysat in town or worked at a restaurant in one of the next towns over. At this particular time, I was working at a restaurant. I was on my way home from work around 9.30 p.m. one evening when my dad called. He lives in Texas, and my stepmom was on the phone too on this particular evening. The call was going completely normal, and I was about a mile from the entrance to town when I saw bright lights and almost shadows above my car. It was 9.30 p.m. in winter, so very dark during this time of night. I remember exclaiming, that was weird, when my phone started glitching and shut off, and at the same time, my car shut off. Not just locked up or something, the entire car was off. I drove a manual 2003 vehicle 
And this was before the cars were completely electric, like they are now. And so it wasn't the displays shutting off that I've seen in newer cars. And besides the radio and dash, there was not much electrical work throughout the car. I was driving 70 miles per hour down the highway and suddenly nothing. I couldn't think fast enough to just turn the car back on while driving. So I pulled off to the dirt road. I restarted the car and then I turned my phone back on. This all happened maybe in a one minute span. But by the time that I got my phone back on, I had an incoming call from my stepmom. She was panicking. Are you okay? What happened? I explained to her and my dad what happened and asked them what they heard from their end. And she said all she heard was, that was weird, and then static, and then the call cut off. They thought I wrecked or something. After that conversation, I continued home as normal, and nothing ever happened like that again. So what was it? Aliens? It's gotta be aliens, or some sort of government something or other, but my bet is aliens. (laughs) I'm anxious to hear what you two think. Stay spooky and see you on the other side. Love you, gals. Sadie. Oh my gosh. Okay. Have you watched Unsolved Mysteries, the Netflix new season? No, but I was just reading all these articles talking about all the amazing things that are coming from that series being on Netflix now. Well, okay. One is amazing. Highly recommend it. A lot of people on our Facebook page have been talking about it, but there's an episode called UFOs Berkshire or Berkshire's UFO, something like that. And Mm -hmm. this encounter, Sadie's encounter reminds me so much of that episode because basically there's like this whole story of multiple people in this town in the 60s, I think all experienced something, some UFO thing, like abductions, same thing, like cars turning off and like weird energy glitches. And they're all convinced they saw a UFO. Wow. And I'm so curious because all like everything about this story, just like the, her phone turning off her car shutting on, which is terrifying driving that fast. And all of a sudden your car's like dead. Oh my gosh. Terrifying. Well, the one wonderful thing to learn from this is that if your car just shuts off while you're driving, it doesn't just stop your car and you go flying, which is what I always kind of (laughs) thought would happen. You know, do you ever have the like slight temptation to just be like, what if I just put it into park or reverse while you're driving? And you're like, no, no. Why would I think that? What an intrusive dark thought. Worried about you. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. It's been happening for years. (laughs) controlled myself so far. So proud. Yeah, this I it's funny that you say that because we have a friend and I'll tell you the name of the friend later because I don't want to out him on the podcast, but I think I've referenced his story before, but essentially he had been driving cross country and had been wanting to use just the maps and not his phone and kind of do like an old school version of a road trip. And so he hadn't been using his cell phone really at all besides for like music and phone calls. And he had entered what he later found out was basically Area 51, unbeknownst to him. His car didn't shut off, but he also saw weird lights. And then he had a ton of electrical glitches. His phone was shut off. His phone had been tapped after that. His dad was on the phone with him at one point, and it was all weird and distorted. And so it reminded me of this. And I was like, ooh, whether it be aliens or whether it be some sort of government, whatever it could be, I... Who knows? Yeah, like EMF, EMPs. I forget what it is, but there's some electric. It's something that interferes with electronics. Right. But I don't know that they would stop a car. I know. Yeah, that's really bizarre. Because like the police force, they do have the capability of basically like scattering cell signals, which is what they, I believe I could be entirely wrong with this, but what I heard from someone who had been in Boston during the marathon when there was the attack during the Boston marathon. 
I heard that they scattered cell signals and that people were having a hard time finding each other because they were basically like needing to like centralize on different information and not have a ton of whatever happening around them. If that's possible for like local state police force, well, again, it doesn't make any sense when it comes to the car. (laughs) We don't know technology that well, but I'm sure. And I also don't know anything about the government. So (laughs) right. I think there are a lot of secrets we don't know. And there's also probably a lot of crazy electronic equipment or like technical stuff that we will never be able to fathom. I say this because my dad used to work for a company that like sold high tech stuff to government agencies. Ooh, Sabrina. And it instilled a lot of fear in me. Oh my gosh. I'm so curious about all of that. I'm, I want to (laughs) know. Sometimes I'm better. I feel like it's better off not knowing. I don't know. But anyway, I wonder if other people experienced something that night that Sadie also experienced it. Yeah, I know. Especially if she's in such a small town. Yeah. Okay. This is from Arlette and it's called Haunted Lighthouse. Dear ladies, I was a couple episodes behind, but I just finished listening to your Haunted Lighthouses episode. And I wish I would have written in earlier since it just so happens that I work at a haunted lighthouse. Our current lighthouse has been around since 1871, but it's technically not the original. That title would go to a smaller structure located about 300 yards east, which had been around since the early 1700s and washed away into the ocean in 1880. While no one has died in the current tower, one of the last head keepers in the old lighthouse, Joseph, fell 52 feet to his death while painting the tower. And as if that wasn't bad enough, his wife saw the whole tragedy unfurl before her eyes. After his passing, she became the head keeper as well as the first Hispanic American keeper in the U.S. Some people say they have felt and seen the shadow of a man who they believe to be Joseph follow them up and down the lighthouse steps. This may sound pretty creepy, but I like to think it's the keeper trying to keep you safe. Back in the late 1800s, visitors would regularly come visit the lighthouse, but they had to be escorted all the way to the top and then back down by the keeper on duty to make sure no one took a tumble. There are also some children that haunt the lighthouse, fun, There were a few children present during the construction of the current tower since the architect had brought his three daughters with him, and it is believed that some of the local workers brought their children with them as well. To keep themselves entertained, the kids would ride a wooden cart down from the construction site to the shores of the water, which was their version of a Victorian-era roller coaster, and there would be a wooden board stopped at the end of the track so the cart wouldn't tip over into the water. The architect's three daughters and another girl rode down the tracks as usual, but as they were approaching the water, they realized the wooden board was not in place. The girls were thrown into the water and trapped underneath the wooden cart. And a worker on the site ran to the shore, lifted the cart from atop the girls. But by then, three of the four girls had drowned. Oh, that's terrible. Visitors report hearing the laughter of small children. And one of our maintenance technicians even found a trail of tiny footprints that refused to go away no matter how he cleaned them up. There was even a moment during one of our ghost tours where one woman approached another woman to say, your daughter is so well behaved. Confused, the woman replied, I don't have a daughter. Then this other woman told her that she had seen a small girl standing by her side the entire night, but there were no children on the tour at all. Inside the keeper's house, people will be alone and smell cigar smoke with no discernible source. Many think it's the spirit of one of the old keepers who always had a pipe on him. Other people have heard their name called out or have felt cold fingers caress the back of their ear. There's also a pretty handsy ghost named Pete who will grab a girl's bum and make her boyfriend or male friend feel uncomfortable and unwelcome. Oh, Pete, we do not like that. 
Sometimes I get stuck with the closing of the museum at night and I dread having to go into the basement because after I turn the lights off and start running towards the stairs, I feel like there's something in the back left-hand corner just staring, watching me. Anyway, that's all I got for you today. If you ever want to come visit the museum and take a ghost tour, I'll hook you up. Best Arlette. It's kind of like a toss-up of whether or not you're going to get bad feelings and a negative presence around you, or if you might have one of the girls kind of just a childlike presence around you. But it also just sounds, I mean, aside from that one in the corner, which who knows what that could be, but it sounds like all the other encounters are also positive and not negative. And truly, if it is Joseph following people up and down the steps of the lighthouse, it totally makes sense because he's the one who fell 52 feet to his death and he wants to prevent others from doing that. True. Oh, what an awful, awful. I know. And for his poor wife to have witnessed it. I can't. I can't think about those things. It's so dark. And yet you can think about possibly stopping your car and just seeing what happens. Because <laughs> that's Sabrina, not dark. I suffer from anxiety. <laughs> you never know what version of me you're going to get. It changes every 30 seconds. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I hate thinking about it. I feel like, you know, we hate hearing this stuff, but also this is why we do this podcast because we're so intrigued in human stories and how, you know, all life kind of ends in tragedy because everyone dies. Yeah. And it's so odd because I feel like I love true crime podcasts and I can listen to that all day. I can watch and read the the darkest mm-hmm. things on the internet and on TV, but Sometimes I feel like when we talk about it on our podcast, for some reason, it feels so close to home, even though it's still a story that's not really, it's not happening in front of us. But for some reason, I feel this sense of, I feel kind of like maternal and like I should be, I should have been there to help. (laughs) That's your empathy, Corinne. Missed opportunity to save someone. Yeah. Man. Wow. Wait, where was this again? What, what, do we know what state? No, Arlette just said Haunted Lighthouse. So we'll have to follow up. Oh, I'm wondering because I'm wondering if it's in New England. Lighthouse. Oh, you should go. Report back. I know. I can tell them that I I wish I'd been there to help them and that maybe it will help them move on. And then you bring a doll from Eonian Spirit and give it a home. Yes. Someone else to keep you company. Okay. This is from Gabby and it's called That One Time a Demon Followed My Friend Home. Hey, Corinne and Sabrina. Cute names, by the way. Oh, thanks. So nice. I work a delivery job and like to listen to your podcast while I'm driving around. I just discovered y'all a couple days ago, but I'm really enjoying your podcast so far. Here's my story. I'm a practicing witch and a paranormal investigator. I make a point to visit multiple haunted locations a year just to see what I can find, and I've had a couple run-ins. This one, however, is the most recent. A couple months ago, I dragged my friend with me on a road trip to one of the most haunted towns in Texas, Jefferson. (gasps) Wait. Didn't we talk about this on an episode, Jefferson? Probably, but my memory is evading me at the moment. Or maybe I'm thinking about Waverly Hills, Jefferson County. Oh, maybe. Mm. I don't know. Probably. If it's one of the most haunted towns, I'm sure we probably heard about it before. Perhaps we even did an entire episode on it. And we're (laughs) completely blanking, which is very plausible. Happened before and it will probably happen again. (laughs) She's scared of ghosts, but I told her I'd pay for all of the expenses of the trip, so she came anyway. Ha ha. This included staying a night at the Excelsior Hotel, which is notorious for its paranormal activity and is almost the exact same as it was when it was built back in the 1800s. Upgraded to still be up to code, but otherwise it's unchanged. Anyway, 
We went up to our room and I did research and I picked the most haunted room available. (laughs) We looked around the room and took photos and videos of everything. I must stress that everything was spotless. We had traveled six hours by car and were exhausted, so we locked the doors to the room, turned on the TV, and relaxed. My friend got up to go to the bathroom after about an hour, and she closed the door and yelled for me to go in there with her. (laughs) She closed the door again and pointed at the back near the handle, and there was a muddy child's handprint. Oh, jump to around 1 a.m. My friend had fallen asleep about a half hour prior, and I couldn't sleep. I started to hear this unintelligible whispering, so faint I could barely hear it. I ignored it because I was too tired to deal with this, but then it started to smell like sulfur. From my experience, demons and ghosts will go away if you ignore them. The more you react, the more energy you give off for them to tap into. So for a moment, I thought, eh, my friend could have farted, (laughs) but the smell (laughs) didn't go away after five minutes. And that's when the temperature drastically dropped and things started going dark. But the weird thing was, it was only around my upper body. It was like a bubble of cold air. If I stuck my arms all the way out in any direction, the bubble could be cut off mid-forearm. If I sat up, however, the bubble would follow me. So it was always around my upper body. Finally, I just closed my eyes, and with as much intention and annoyance as I could muster, I said quietly, as if not to wake my friend, but firmly, I acknowledge your presence, but I am trying to sleep. Could you please fuck off and bother someone else? Immediately, things returned back to normal and I was able to fall asleep. The next night, we were back home in Austin, and I was in a bad mood because my friend had been really snippy the whole ride back. She called me up and asked if my clothes smelled weird, and I was really confused, and I asked her what she meant, and she responded with, all of my clothes from the trip smell like rotten eggs. Sulfur. Don't yours? Oh, no. (gasps) She went on to say how things in her room kept disappearing, and her parents were in an especially bad mood. I told her to grab her sage open a window, and sage her entire room and all of her clothes. She told me that fumes were coming off of her clothes (gasps) and that her room was getting cold. Creepy. I walked her through how to exercise her room and get the entity out. It took a couple hours of consistent saging, and I ended up going over to help her out, and we found her misplaced items outside on her lawn later that oh, night. Oh, my gosh. <gasps> but good news. The whatever it was hasn't bothered her since. She doesn't go ghost hunting with me anymore, though. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you enjoyed and or were a little freaked out by my story. See you on the other side, ladies. Gabby. All of the above. But I also do not blame your friend whatsoever. I would definitely not want to go something again. Can you imagine if I was begging you to go stay with me? Like, let's say at the, I don't know, somewhere haunted at the Queen Mary. And we go there and like hardly anything happens to me. I'm just like, la la la, what a fun trip. We had a couple spooky things happen. Meanwhile, you're fighting off a demon in your home. It would make for a great podcast episode. (laughs) But pretty awful circumstances. Man. Well, okay. So now we know if we go to a haunted place and one of us is getting a little testy with the other one when we leave, it could be that we have a demon attached to us. A demon is trying to piggyback (laughs) off of our energy and come home. It's just, okay. I've just never heard of, because obviously we've heard of, you know, demons and entities following people home, but the way that it soaked into her clothing and- 
Yeah, the visible fumes basically coming off of the clothes. That is so freaky. Yeah. Gives me chills. It makes me think of in Stranger Things, the like way that it kind of blobbed and was able to like become a flat surface. Like I feel like it just like flattened itself or became a different medium and then soaked into her clothes. And you know what I was visualizing when describing the upper torso being covered by this sort of bubble was, have you seen photos? I'm sure you have, because when we talk about sleep paralysis, I know originally we had looked up these photos, but pictures of the old hag, which is essentially this like crouching demon figure that is up on your upper torso, around your head and around your chest. And I was just envisioning sort of that happening to her. Scary. Very creepy. I have a story. This is from Rhiannon and it's called The Old Lady on the Hill. Hey ladies, it took me forever to get to writing this mainly because I'm not a great storyteller and it's kind of a long one. So I'll jump right in. When I was a kid, I lived on the top of a hill in the middle of the woods. On the hill, it was just my family, my grandparents, and two other houses. The road to the top of the hill was broken up and very narrow, but me and my little sister, living in a small town, always retreated to this spot when we wanted to play outside. We had this running game where we tried to throw rocks into each other's pants. (laughs) One day, while we were exploring, we noticed that it almost seemed as if the road went beyond the driveways and dived into the trees. The trees here were parted and the ground was elevated and gravel was scattered here and there in the dirt and leaves. At the time, our attention spans got the best of us and we moved on to something else. At this point, however, I started having dreams about this old woman who would come to me while I was playing outside and she would ask me if I wanted some cookies. In my dream, I hesitantly agreed, picturing chocolate chip cookies dancing around in my mind. I would follow the woman into the woods, over logs, leaves, bumps, and over the hill. Eventually, we arrived to a two-story blue house. I remember thinking it was odd that the kitchen was upstairs, as I had never seen a house like that before. She walked up the stairs, and again, I hesitantly followed. The steps were extremely thin and steep, and a creeping feeling of dread was welling up inside me. In my dream, I saw the woman turn around and gasp, setting the cookies on the table. The house was smoking and all of a sudden on fire, and the fire was coming from downstairs. The dream would always end with me looking down those steep stairs, frozen in fear. I had this dream several times throughout my childhood, but always thought it was just that, a dream. One day, my mom told me that my grandpa had seen a ghost. He said that an old woman walked around his house and that it no longer scared him because he would see her so often. I took this with a grain of salt, although obviously I was very intrigued. At a later point when I was 14, I had my friends Kendra and Caleb over at my house. And we decided that with nothing else to do, we would go and explore the woods. We headed up that path that I mentioned earlier, and we stumbled through the woods, true adventurers on a mission to explore our new world. After about half an hour, we found a house, a blue house, that had been burnt from what looked like maybe a furnace or some sort in the bottom of the house. The steps, the same steep and thin steps, leading to upstairs where there was a kitchen. This was the house that I had seen in my dream. We explored a little, but I was extremely uncomfortable, and after just about 15 minutes, I made the announcement that I was ready to get the hell out of there. I grabbed a wall ornament, which I included in a picture below, and probably, in fact, for proof for myself that it was real. But that's not the end of the story. Growing up, for years, our breaker in the house would flip, and we got used to having to go to the electric box to turn certain parts of the house back on. 
We didn't really know why it happened so much, but we were just used to it. One night, my mom and dad were lying in bed, and my mom had a dream. An old woman walked into the bedroom and leaned over my dad. Where is my house? She asked my mom. And my mom was taken aback, almost speechless. I I don't know. Where is my house? The woman asked again. And my mom stammered, trying to reply, when my dad groaned and said, Geez, it's up there. And he pointed up towards the top of the hill. And the woman took a step back. Oh, okay, thank you, she said, and then turned to walk out of the bedroom when she stopped and turned back to look at my mom, and she said, I'm sorry about the breaker. It won't happen again. And then she was gone. Immediately, my mom started freaking out, waking up, supposedly, and started shaking my dad. She starts telling my dad about the dream when he stopped her, and he said, wait, did I say it's up there? And my mom burst into tears at that point, and they admitted to each other then that they had both seen the woman walking through the house the entire time we had lived at the house, but neither of them had ever said anything to one another. Oh, full body chills right now. (laughs) After that night, the breaker never flipped again for as long as we lived there. As far as I know, my grandpa still sees her, and I think she lives with my grandpa now, and I'm just glad that she's not alone. She definitely wasn't a bad spirit, but just wanted our attention. I have plenty of other stories, but this one was super long, so I'll save those for another day. Thank you, girls. Hope you enjoyed my experience. Stay spooky, Rhiannon. The amount of self-awareness that this woman has in her spirit form, Mm -hmm. I'm so impressed. She is very clearly like, she might get turned around, but she knows what she did, the effect that she has on people, how to communicate, full sentences and conversations. Mm -hmm. I'm amazed. It's amazing that... Everyone in her family was having these dreams or experiences with her. And perhaps like all this old woman wanted was to get back to her house, which had clearly burnt down in the way that Rhiannon had dreamt of it. Yeah, it made me wonder if her will or her desire to be inside of her home was so strong that perhaps her spirit just went to the next house that was in the vicinity Or maybe her family owned the land back in the day. And technically, Rhiannon's house and her grandparents' house might be on the property that this woman's house used to be on. Like, they're obviously neighbors, but... Yeah, I mean, she followed the path to that burnt-down house, so it's definitely the same land. But yeah, maybe there was another house that this old woman knew of that is now where Rhiannon's house is. Yeah. Or she literally could be like, okay, well, I know my property lines. I know generally where my home is. And is just wandering the land and comes across these two new houses and is super confused. And I love that she hangs out with her grandpa, that the two of them keep each other company. Just two buds getting along. Yeah, it's so fascinating that she is so visible and presents herself in a whole human form so frequently that pretty much everyone saw her and got accustomed to seeing her often. And then she left and they never had to fix the breaker again. Wow. I know. And she's so sweet to turn back and apologize. I'm <laughs> a huge fan of this woman. And also, what a, what an amazing thing for Rhiannon and her family, because for years, they're like, why does this keep happening to the breaker? And they could have had that experience. The woman could have left without saying anything, and it would have stopped, and they never would have known that it was her who was doing it. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if it's one of those weird side effects as a spirit that you know you're having an effect on things but maybe it's not intentional. Like I've always thought that, oh, the spirits harness their power and they flicker the lights and they're doing all these things. But perhaps they have no idea how to control it. And they're just like, oops, I did it again. I did it again. Oh, that's really sweet. 
(laughs) Okay, this is from Nia. It's called Aliens, Aliens, Aliens. Why I love living in Arizona. I love that you live in Arizona and are emailing us. I know. Dream come true. We're on the inside now. Hey, girls. This one is for Sabrina. (laughs) Corinne, I'm still keeping an eye out for the Yucca Man and will report as soon as I have the evidence. I've sent in a few emails already, but this is the first time I've had some out of this world material. So buckle up. These puns. (laughs) This is why it's for you, Sabrina. Yep. Okay, so I'll start by sharing my own story. It was just past Thanksgiving and my first time traveling to Tucson since I've lived there. I've on and off lived in Arizona for about five years now and have really only been to Sedona. I'd been zoning out as my dad drove me and my younger brother, who was 16, and my younger brother was sitting next to me in the far back seat of the SUV. I was staring out the window listening to y'all's podcast, of course, when just over the mountain range I saw distant glimmering lights. It was so faint, and I kept thinking I was seeing things or it was just a heat reflection. So excitedly, I slapped my brother awake and had him look too. As he did, the glimmering grew stronger, and he saw it. He could tell that it was something shiny, silver, and it became bigger and clearer as it came closer to us. Pretty soon, I started to realize what the object was. There were two military-grade helicopters flying so close to us that I was scared they were going to crash land in the field. I brushed it off at the same time, but here's what I realized. Because these were giant double propeller military helicopters that were flying maybe a few hundred feet over us, and they were matte black slash greenish military colors, how did we see shiny silver so clearly? And how were we unable to hear a single propellant noise or feel the rush of the air hit our car? Not to mention, when I finally asked Siri where I was, we were right in front of the Superstition Mountains, (gasps) which, as you know, is said to hold a secret Area 51 type base. So even if it isn't aliens, it for sure confirms the theory of military shit in them mountains. Now for the second story. It's not mine, but it's a friend's, and I'll change her name, so let's call her Anna. She was telling me about a college photography field trip that she went on in the forest somewhere in San Diego. She was off in groups snapping pictures of nature when suddenly she and all of her groupmates had the same feeling that they needed to look up. There, above their heads, were giant, triangular, floating objects rotating in different directions and not making a single noise. They all tried to take pictures of them. Upon looking at those pictures, decided to delete all of them at the same time. By the time they'd looked up to try again, the objects were gone. Now what's strange, from Anna's perspective, is that she claims to be a picture hoarder. She will never delete a picture, even if it's an accidental blurry shot. She would never delete a picture, no matter the quality, with an event like this. Not to mention, by this time, everyone in her group started to rationalize, saying they're seeing things. The next day, Anna sees the news about someone in San Diego reporting that they saw giant floating, rotating triangles that suddenly disappeared. Anna freaked out because she knew that it had really happened. Wow. Anna has another story from her family member, which I'm unable to share due to legal safety. Oh Oh my gosh. (gasps) What a tease. But let me tell you, my jaw was floored. I absolutely believe Arizona is home to extraterrestrials after hearing this story and hers, and I really love living on the West Coast now. Hope I don't get abducted for sharing, but if I do, (laughs) you all will be the first I tell. Stay spooky and stay safe. Naya, and her birthday, she had listed her birthday in this email, and it was just last week. So happy birthday. Happy birthday, Naya. 
okay, obviously I know that you can't share Anna's story for legal reasons, but what, I mean, my mind's just going to the craziest things, kind of like your friend, his story. Yes. Oh, okay. And you know what is, what kind of made me like, oh my God, what is going on is in the very first story that she told when she and her brother saw something shiny out in the distance and then these noiseless matte black helicopters, military helicopters Mm -hmm. came around them and they could see them above them. It reminded me so much of Men in Black, which we've never done an episode on and we must. I'm going to put it in our episode sheet. But essentially, like a very quick version of Men in Black is that, well, in relation to this specific story, is that oftentimes when there's some sort of alien sighting, people have reported seeing these unmarked, unidentified black military grade helicopters moving and oftentimes transporting other objects like a shiny silver spacecraft. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. So cool. Yeah. So I'm so curious if that's maybe what they saw. And also Naya's second story about Anna and like them kind of all wanting to delete the photo reminds me of Men in Black the movie, which I think probably is inspired by Men in the Black, Men in Black the real thing, but of how you know, collectively, they all saw this thing, looked up, and then whatever was up there, whatever alien entity it is, like, was like, we need to make sure they don't remember seeing us. We want to make sure there is no documentation. And sent, like, brainwave beams down from their ships to be like, delete those photos. Because why, all at the same time, they all just look down and delete their photos and then look back up as if they're trying to take more pictures again? Yeah. That's bizarre. It's like for a second they lost their free will and they were just robots doing exactly what they were told and then snap back to it. That's mind control. Wow. Aliens are real. (laughs) I have another story from Taylor. It's called A Ticked Off Southern Ghost in a Haunted Bed. Dear Sabrina and Corinne, Hi, my name is Taylor and I'm a huge fan of the podcast. I work at a local TV news station and it helps me get through some of the more stressful days. My mother recently told me about a ghostly encounter, and I knew I had to share it with y'all. I have to start off by saying I come from a huge Southern family. I'm from Richmond, Virginia. We're all super close and in each other's businesses all the time. My sister recently got married to a man from New York City. No one in the family really cared all that much when she brought my brother-in-law into the family, or so we thought. Now there's this bed that once belonged to my great-grandmother, Maud, and it's been owned by almost everyone in the family at one point or another. In fact, it used to be my bed when I was a little girl. There have never been any stories associated with this bed, and I certainly never experienced anything. That bed is now in my sister's old room. My parents moved the bed into that room because it's where my grandmother stays when she visits, and the bed is a little lower to the ground and easier for her to get in and out of. Well, a few weeks ago, my sister and her husband stayed in that room before they left for the beach with my parents. I was at lunch with my mom and aunt shortly after my mom got back from that trip, and she told us that my brother-in-law experienced something weird. She said the morning they left, he asked my mom if anything odd or supernatural had ever happened to anyone else in that bed. And my mom told him no, that most of us have slept in that bed at one time or another, and nothing has ever happened. He apparently looked very serious and told her that he had been almost asleep and felt someone tapping his leg as though telling him to get up. He thought it was my sister, and so he looked up and over, but she was fast asleep. So, a little unnerved, he tried to go back to sleep. And then, a little while later, he felt someone tapping his leg again, a little more urgently. Again, he thought my sister needed him, 
So he rolled over and saw that my sister was, again, fast asleep. When my mom was telling my aunt and me this story, my aunt began to laugh. My mom asked her what was so funny, and my aunt said she knew exactly what was going on. She said, Maud, my great-grandmother, was probably annoyed. My aunt posited that she was trying to tell my sister's husband to get up and out of her bed. My aunt said that we were all Maud's family, and so she was fine with us sleeping in the bed for all those years, but apparently my great-grandmother didn't feel the same. Well, my brother-in-law, my sister believes it was actually our grandfather, who's Maud's son, who passed away in 2010, and no one loved teasing people more than our papa. He was always pulling pranks and cracking jokes. He would even tap us on the shoulder, and when we would look over at him, he would look all innocent. And when we would ask why he tapped us, he'd say, it wasn't me, it was your hootie. To this day, I have no idea what a hootie is. I don't know either. <laughs> Me neither. I never got the chance to meet Maud, but apparently Papa took after her with loving jokes and pranks. So whether Papa or Maud was the real culprit that night, I'm not sure. Who knows? Maybe they were in on the joke together and welcoming my sister's husband into the family in a very strange way. Who knows? But the story made me feel a little closer to a woman who played such a huge role in my family's history. And if it was my Papa, well... It'd be just like him to initiate my sister's husband into the family that way. Sorry for a long email. I have a ton more ghostly tales that I can share, so I'm sure I'll be in touch again. Your resident spooky southerner, Taylor. You know, that's one thing you don't really think about when you're partnering up with someone or marrying someone is that you're not just meeting their immediate family or their living family. You could be meeting their dead relatives as well. And it's funny because I feel like it's very old-fashioned if like her great grandmother wasn't aware that they had married to be like, how dare a man be in the bed with my great granddaughter, you know, I know <laughs> I like to think that she was welcoming him into the family with like a little prank, you know, just a small prank pranking granny. Yeah. Wow, man. I didn't know that that could be a fear, but I think it's a new fear I have. <laughs> Significant others, relatives visiting me from beyond the grave. Also, that is one that must be an amazing mattress to have gone through so many generations of that family. I know. Yeah. What's the, what's what's the, the brand? brand? <laughs> we need to know. Okay. This is called My Poor Brother, and it's from Georgia. Hey, ladies. I sent in a story a while ago, but now I have another. I'm still in high school, but I want to write scripts for movies, preferably horror movies when I'm older. To practice, I've been writing books that the librarian lets me put out and have them in the library for people to read and borrow. Oh, so fun. That's amazing. I'm currently writing a book called They're Listening, and I think it could be fueled by the energy in my house. Every time I sit down in my room to work on the story, something freaky happens. Yesterday, it was really late at night, and I was working on the story, and the lights were off, and I was working by candlelight. I didn't really want my family to know I was up that late. I was writing about how one of the main characters is hearing things while in her bathroom when I hear a huge thud from my ensuite. I thought I was probably paranoid and that it was nothing, so I kept writing. But only 30 seconds later, I heard a smashing from the bathroom and I jumped to turn the light on. I creeped open the bathroom door, hiding behind my blanket, but I saw nothing out of the ordinary. My mind instantly went to, I'm just really tired and I'm hearing things. I went to bed for the night, but when I woke up the next morning, I went in to wake my brother, whose room is on the other side of my ensuite bathroom, and when I got there, he wasn't there. I walked out to the kitchen to see if he was making breakfast, which he was. Did you hear anything last night? He asked me. I mean, yeah. Why? Did you hear it too? 
I responded, and he grabbed my arm and he pulled me into his room, opening up his closet door. On the floor of his closet were all of his clothes that had previously been hanging up, and that, he pointed over at his wall, where the mirror was smashed. Let's just say he didn't believe in ghosts until that night. Thank you for reading, and I'll see you on the other side, Georgia. What was it? I don't know, but that's so aggressive to, like, punch a mirror. Like, for it to just... It didn't fall. Like, it was smashed. Shattered. Okay, gonna put a positive spin on it because of what you said earlier and how the old lady was, you know, turning the breaker off and maybe sometimes ghosts don't totally know what they're doing and can't control their energy. If there's just a ghost that, like, popped in real quick and was in like in the closet and all of a sudden like had like a burst of energy and all the clothes went like flying off the shelves and the mirror shattered and the ghost was like oh no oh no oh no what did i do i'm so sorry and then flee that's a very cute version i also like to think that there was sort of this ensemble of ghosts in the house that night supporting georgia behind her being like she's writing the story she's writing our story and then Again, the burst of energy. They just get so excited or one of them gets up to run around like, woohoo, and just smack into the into the wall. Oh my gosh. So creepy though. Like the timing of all of that and her poor little brother. I know. And for him to grab her arm and drag her into the room like, look at this. That's so frightening, I'm sure. And, you know, everybody's already scared of their dark closets. Like you don't need another reason to be even more scared. No, 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 no. Unless, you know... I'm also just imagining a ghost, similar to that story we read a, a while back about the ghost in the attic who liked to just try on clothing. I'm imagining a ghost in her brother's closet, trying things on, looking at themselves in the mirror and then being like annoyed that like they can't find the right outfit. And they're like throwing all the clothes, like a tender, temper tantrum a little bit and then breaking the mirror to be, be like, I don't, I don't like anything I own. <laughs> It's like playing human again. Yeah. Or it's just like a bunch of little kids and the older one's not sharing. And so the younger one gets upset and smacks the window like, he won't let me try it on. Life is so unfair. Wow. Oh, I wonder what's happened since then, if anything, or what has happened in the house. Because it's one thing to be just really into spooky stories and writing spooky stories, but then to have such energy come through your house at the same time. Mm. I wonder too if writing them kind of brings them forward more, you know? Yeah, because you're putting yourself in a place, obviously, right? When you're writing or mm-hmm. or when you're doing a lot of different forms of art, I feel like there's an amount of you that basically opens up. It's like down a dark hall. Yes. Oh, Georgia's living the real story. She has that strong armpit energy. <laughs> That has to be a bumper sticker because I want it. (laughs) Strong armpit energy. (laughs) Hey, it's a real thing. Oh, Sabrina, you've been just killing me with your jokes lately. (laughs) Killing me. (laughs) All right. I have a story from Meg and it's called Crushed by a Headstone, Michael the Angel. Hey, ladies, longtime listener. I love the podcast. I have had lots of experiences with ghosts and other beings, but one time in my memory really stands out. When I was 12 years old, my grandparents bought land in the Indiana countryside in a tiny town that you can barely find on a map nowadays. The place was surrounded by woods and had its very own cemetery from the 1800s. All of us grandkids loved all the trees and freedom we got at granddad's, so it was great. 
We pretty much had free reign of the three acres of forest and cemetery. We would find arrowheads and old glass bottles in the creek beds. But being in the woods always felt kind of off, like someone was watching you all the time. But being kids, we usually ignored it. Over the summer, my grandparents had us nine grandkids over a lot for sleepovers and to help build their new house, which was a ton of fun for us. Well, one day, all of us kids decided we were going to play hide and seek on the property while my grandparents and parents met the neighbor who had rode over on his four-wheeler. So us kids split into groups. We were all ranging in ages from me being 12 and the oldest to the youngest being three. Everyone split up and I went with my five-year-old cousin toward the cemetery. This cemetery hadn't had anyone else buried there in over 50 years or so, and some of the headstones were pretty old and crumbling. There were a row of these really tall three-piece headstones that were just perfect for skinny kids like me to hide behind. And well, apparently it wasn't as sturdy as I thought, and while I was leaning against it, I somehow managed to knock the 200-pound limestone headstone over onto myself. Luckily, it fell on me and not my younger five-year-old cousin because it probably would have killed her. The top of the headstone hit me in the head and knocked me out for a few minutes, apparently, because I do not remember hitting the ground. I just remember waking up to a lot of pain in my right leg, which was pinned underneath the 200-pound headstone. My brother and cousin tried to lift it, but being 10 and 8, they obviously couldn't. While all this was happening, my parents said they got a really weird feeling telling them to look toward the cemetery. And when they did, they saw what looked like a man dressed all in black walking away from the cemetery. My mom says it was unnaturally quiet. Even birds weren't making a sound. And she said it was like they were in a quiet zone. And then all of a sudden, she heard screaming and yelling. My youngest sister had run back to get help and told the adults I was hurt. My mom jumped on the neighbor's four-wheeler and took off for us. The neighbor and my stepdad managed to lift the headstone off my leg and applied a shirt to my bloody head. I was taken to the hospital and diagnosed with a concussion and a broken leg. After getting back home, my parents were talking about the man that they had seen walking away from the cemetery. And according to them, I said that that was Michael, and he sat with me until my parents got there. This really creeped my parents out. They had my grandparents go around to all the neighbors and ask about this Michael, but never found anyone who fit the description. To this day, I'm convinced that he was my guardian angel sent to comfort me when I was more scared than I had ever been. Now, as an adult, I still think he is around to help when I need it. It goes so far as there was a man named Michael who saved my daughter's life when she almost died as a baby. As far as I'm concerned, Michael is following me through this life to keep me and those I care about safe. Thanks for reading about my experience. See you on the other side, Meg. Wow. Okay. That I feel bad for having a pessimistic view as we were going through this email, but I totally thought that there was some demon thing attached to the to the statue that had pushed it onto her. I wasn't thinking that the figure seen was actually sitting with her and keeping her company. It's funny though, because even though the subject line says Michael the angel, you still were like, no, bad. Well, you never know. I mean, the a- Michael the angel could have wasn't the statue of no it was just a headstone oh i was filling in a lot of blanks in this story that just were not presented to me (laughs) i made up my own version as we went along you were trying to process it in a way that you could yes well it's i'm glad to hear that there was a bit of safety and comfort and Mm -hmm. just overall some sort of spirit looking out for her in a time like that well yeah because just imagine how terrified you are as a kid thinking 
I'm alone. No one's going to be able to help me. And then this kind man who clearly Meg wasn't scared of at the time came and just told her she would be okay and sat there with her until her parents came. This is giving me real touched by an angel vibes. (laughs) Bringing me back to the 90s. Ugh, miss them. Miss them. (laughs) Glad we're here, but you know. Well, it's been a tough year. Times are nice when you're four years old. Yeah. Naivety (laughs) sounds nice. Wow. Ooh. But the fact that also a man named Michael saved her child. I know. I want more information on that. Yeah. Meg, I'll, I'll follow up. Yeah. We need to know all of the different connections with the name Michael post this accident. Tell us all. Give us a tell all. Okay. I have one called how TGOG slash the universe told me about Shadaisy. And I'll preface this by saying it's a bit of a sad story. Oh. Hey, Corinne and Sabrina. I've been listening to your podcast since last October when I wanted to feel some Halloween vibes. And it's since become my go-to for cleaning slash road trips slash late nights when true crime podcasts feel too law of attraction-y for me. Well, I've never had any big ghost experiences and I don't feel in tune with my spiritual sixth sense. I do believe in what your show is about, that there are elements to the earthly experience that can't be explained but are still there like supernatural layers of the atmosphere. That we shouldn't ignore what makes us uncomfortable, even if it means that we have to go buy nightlights in our 20s. (laughs) No shame. That we should share our creepy, weird, heavenly, heartbreaking stories, and other people will come out of the woodwork and say, oh, me too. Needless to say, I love your podcast. You both are so good at making listeners feel like we're part of the conversation the more we listen. Even when it's scary, your show is comforting. Oh, that's so nice. Let me explain my subject line. If you're actually reading this, thank you. And I'm sorry because it's about to get sad. My dog's name is Shadaisy after the country girl trio. She's a lab and chow mix with black fur that's now turned to gray and a little white spot over her heart. Oh, she'd be turning 20 in November. Wow. That's that's a steep age for a dog. Yeah. Especially a medium to large size dog like a lab chow mix. She'd be turning 20 in November. As a puppy, when I was four, she climbed onto the dining table to drink milk out of glasses. She'd get her head stuck in Eddie's Finding Nemo ice cream (laughs) carton. She'd climb on top of me to sleep when I fell asleep on the sofa while watching TV. She'd dart around on walks as if straight lines didn't exist. She'd chew up pillows and cell phones and prescription glasses, and she'd try beer when it found its way to the floor. (laughs) Shadaisy was never easy, so I don't know why I convinced myself that this would be. You know when you hear about two people dying and you think, everything happens in threes. I swear, I've heard of two of my mom and sister's co-workers whose pets have recently passed, and I thought, well, Shadaisy better not be that third. And then the other day when I was listening to your podcast episode where Corinne talks about holding her dog for several hours before he passed, several other things stuck out to me over the last week, and I kept thinking, she's fine. She still gets up for treats. She goes outside to eat. Well, as you've probably suspected by now, she's not fine. Mm. I was petting her last night and her legs gave out. She was shaking so bad that I thought she was having a seizure and would die scared and crying right before my eyes. I wrapped a towel around her and held her for a bit and she seemed in shock, but otherwise fine. We took her to the vet today and the doctor told us over the phone because we couldn't go in with her that it was her time. I'm crying as I'm typing this, and I'm still in denial that this little sister-turned-grandma of mine won't be with us come Monday. Mm. He gave us the number for the Hospice for Pets company so that we could do it at home, and she could be in her bed. 
and know that she's safe instead of in a vet room completely scared. I feel so many signs were pointing to this, but I keep turning my head. When you have a pet, especially one that you've watched grow old, you know a time comes for that decision to be made. We just kept thinking we won't have to make that decision today. And I'm glad she's with us now and that we have this short time to treat her like the feisty queen she is. I'm so sad this seemingly steadfast girl will have to leave us. I'm sorry to send you such a sad email. Honestly, I haven't told many people yet. But I've been thinking about your show all day since we made an appointment for the doctor to come to our house Sunday afternoon. And I think writing this to you was a good way for me to process everything. Though I'm always going to hope Sunday never comes. Who knows? Maybe I'll hear the sound of her nails tapping on our hardwood floor Monday night. Or the sound of her treat jar rattling. Thank you so much for reading this if you managed to get through it all. I really wasn't planning to go into too much detail, but the words just kept coming. I'm sorry this turned out so sad. Thank you for everything you do and for the community of empathic ghost lovers that you've ignited. So much love from South Florida, Taylor. Oh, Daisy is so, like, such a sweet little baby. Look at the photos. I know. And you know what, Shadaisy, to have... I'm so sorry that you lost Shadaisy because it's never easy to lose anybody in your life. And I feel like a pet is so difficult because it's like losing an immediate family member, especially like Taylor saying that they essentially got Shadaisy, I think, from the time that she was four years old. This yeah. was her childhood pet. This was her sibling. And Shadaisy lived a very long life. 20 for a dog is a wonderful long life. And so you can only imagine that she lived such a healthy and warm and loved and just happy life because her soul kept her there continuing on for so long she oh i'm so sorry taylor i'm i'm glad that you were able to spend the last few days with with shadaisy and give shadaisy so many hugs and so much love yeah it's awful but it also it's interesting that alongside this tragedy that happened to their family and and the heartbreak of losing their family pet and the love of their life um the ability to kind of recognize certain patterns and it's it's awful that it's like things happen in threes but it it is interesting to kind of look at it from that perspective and kind of with the knowledge that something might happen to kind of pinpoint what could happen that's so tough though i know but like taylor said this is i feel so grateful that she came to us and felt comfortable sharing the story with not only us but the whole community yeah and shadaisy if Maybe you will hear the little pitter-patters of her toenails on the ground. Oh, I sure hope so. Either way, Shadaisy will be at the Rainbow Bridge waiting. Going over the Rainbow Bridge. Leia's saying a little hello to Shadaisy for you. Leia's saying that Shadaisy's, yeah, she senses her. <laughs> yeah, Shadaisy is here with us now. We're having a seance now. If only we could speak cat so we could tell you what Leia was saying. I could tell you she's hungry. <laughs> Classic. Love it. Well, thank you everyone so much for sharing your stories with us. If you have any paranormal, alien, supernatural, I don't know, cryptid experience, please email them to us at two girls, one ghost podcast at gmail.com. Any email, whether it's sad, heartwarming, heartbreaking, chilling to the bones, anything. We are here for you, and so is our community. So if you're not already on social media and following us or a part of our Facebook group, you should totally look into that. 
And then you can also support our podcast in a variety of ways. The first one would be to rate and review us on iTunes. It helps bump us into the charts so other people can find us. And then word of mouth is a great one. And we will see you on the other side. Very spooky.